Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Greg the Eagle Edwards. To be more like Greg, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show today. You're back. How was your holiday, mate? Oh, Joe, it was, it was great. Thank you very much. After I spoke to you last week, uh, I turned my phone off until the point I thought I was doing your pod, turned it on and realised that I wasn't needed, which was nice. And then I found a local pub for local people to watch the first testing and thought when I walked in I might die, but survived, which was great. Are you local? Are you local? We are like locals here. And you're not from around here. I absolutely... I used to love um, a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but then, in hindsight, there's actually a fair amount of that programme that you'd go, fucking hell. Like... Did it not scare you? Yeah, the hell I dive. Hell I dive. You'll be my wife now. That's the bit. Nightmares. You'll be my wife now. <laughs> anyway, let's before we get into trouble by talking about what did uh, what did you make of your replacement and uh, mine and Coley's very professional attempt to do a podcast without you? Are you are you slightly worried? You made quite a large assumption here, Joe, which is that I actually listened to the episode that I wasn't on. <laughs> <laughs> now, as it happens, I listened to the first ten minutes because that was all that the reception in the place that I was staying in on the far western tip of Wales allowed me. And um, I sense that Dan is still angry that I twice, I think, have said he's from Bedford on the basis that he briefly played for Bedford. Dan, please come back. Hi guys. Um, yes, he's back. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm. It was only, you know, it was your um, ignorance that got that wrong. It's fine. It <laughs> happened. Uh, <laughs> no, What's so wrong about Bedford, by the way? Nothing's wrong with Bedford, but I just, you know, I'm a, a proud, born and bred in Leicester, and you know, I just, you know, feel that the city of Leicester's got, uh, you know, I've tried to be disowned in some regards, and I just, you know. Hurts interesting, but, interesting know. on that one, Dan. Where, where do you but live then now? Again, I, I don't actually, Lester. I don't actually know where you're from, Tom. So apologies. So I'm, you know, I can't be that upset. I'm happy to let this one lie, Dan. We'll just move on, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that awkward where you've got a friend, but you've also got another friend, and they're meeting yeah. for the first time, sort of thing, and they're trying to get on, but they're not, and it's like, oh god, this is really awkward and horrible. Um, you can tell that I don't think me and Dan have got um, long in the podcast game, if I'm honest. It's nice to have the the maestro, the expert, the world-renowned podcaster back in the helm. You are a helm. You're in the helm. And uh, <laughs> the please helm. take us take us away. 
to the <laughs> land of the test match, please. I, the first thing I want to talk about uh, with the first test is they're a little bit of South Africa. The way they play rugby, it feels churlish to criticise it because it's clearly worked for them for a long time and worked for them spectacularly in Yokohama about a year and a half ago. Oh, but fucking equally, stop. You're, I'm you're, moving on, don't worry. You're on a podcast with two <laughs> of the blokes that were involved in that quite heavily and you're breaking our hearts every week. It's a slow, <laughs> painful death. I can't ignore the fact they won the World Cup, Joe. Playing the same <laughs> brand of rugby, the reason I mention it is because does the end justify the means sometimes in sports? So when I watch South Africa, I, if I'm honest, I find it quite tedious. I really do. But I feel like I can't say that because someone could turn around and go, it's just just sensible rugby, it works. But second half on Saturday, it didn't work, did it? And they weren't prepared to change it up. I actually found the first 40, 50 minutes, both teams didn't play enough. And particularly from a Lions point of view, I couldn't work out why they weren't playing more. Like they had the the players to do it, they had the ability to to pull it out the back of the forward pod and get out get get outside on those lovely arcs that Dan talks about the the centres doing. But then I thought about it and I thought they had nine debuts or debutants, so they would have been a little bit nervous. I thought Curry definitely went way and above the arousal curve that I've read about. You know, there's this curve about arousal, um, and you want to like, you want to keep it just before the peak, and hold it there, because if you become over aroused, you know what happens. You know, we've all been there. And if you're under aroused, you're just not in, involved in the game. You're just insignificant. You're just making up the numbers, which is what. Uh, actually me and Dan have done for most of our careers um, so yeah he was a bit over the top with it with a couple of penalties which he'll be gutted about but um, I just wanted to see him play a bit just fucking jouer Dan I know you're a traditionalist and you don't like me talking like this but I, it was just crying out to move the ball a bit both teams so that, I mean, Jacques Neighbor Neighbor neighbours um, spoke about well you can only play with the skill set You, the style of rugby is dictated by the skill set that you have in the players and we pick a player based on their physical attributes and that's the game that we play and it's like well fucking hell mate they only need to pass the ball out the back well also it, you know they did try and involve Cheslin Colby but they mainly tried to involve him in uh, contesting high balls and then they put him on a crash run at one point so, you know, and he was getting involved, but in a way that completely didn't suit his build or skill set. Yeah, I say, I think they were, the South Africans looked underprepared. And I say, we said it in the South Africa A game, didn't we? They ran out of gas with 50 to go, with, you know, 50 gold with 30 to go, they ran out of gas. And I think that was similar. I think, you know, first off they came out, they carried, and it was the Lions' ill-discipline that kept, that made South Africa have the lead rather than, I think, South Africa earning it. Now, of course, they carried hard and they... They forced penalties, I guess, in some regards, but it was more, I think, Lions, you say, a bit of ill-discipline, a bit of over-arousal here and there everywhere. And that's what kind of got South Africa the lead. I think second half, when the Lions actually controlled what they were able to do. But yeah, I think second half, they made a mistake. 
I'd be annoyed if I was Africa with, I think, the bench players that came on. Because um, we talked about on the podcast, didn't we, last week, that we thought the bench front row was better than the starters. Well, I actually thought the starters were, they played some of the best rugby they played. You know, they carried, for South Africa, this is they carried, they were getting over balls, they were dynamic. Whereas the bench came on and just, they didn't have a scrum superiority, which credits the Lions for stopping them, but they didn't offer anything really. And they say the game just, they looked slow and stodgy and yeah, they just don't have a different way of playing. Some may say that the bomb squad was actually wet. It was a wet bomb. It was, and it didn't go off like a firework. You know, look, when the fireworks get soggy, they don't really. The Lions go off. diffused I still, it. I still wouldn't. They? Yeah, good. They got they got on their suits. They got on those big green suits and the shields that go up in front of your face. Like uh, if you're having a C-section, they put up those big shields to stop oh, yeah. the blood going everywhere, and it scares the shit out of you. And you're like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "Oh, it's just in case there's loads of blood." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's because that's the f- that's the thing I want to hear just before you cut my wife open." Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they've gone down there, they've crept down towards the bomb squad and Mako's like just flicked his earlobes at them and he's just, because of the wind that's been created by his earlobes, <laughs> it's just blown out the fuse. It's <laughs> And he's gone, cheers for coming, boys. Um, <laughs> right, let, let's move on to who was good for the Lions. Courtney was unbelievable. He was a little bit quiet in the first half, but he came out that second half. He was putting his hand up to carry. He was making tackles. He was everywhere. And I thought I would have had him down as man of the match just because he was constant, um, particularly in that second half. But Marrow obviously had three big turnovers that were big turning points of the game. Right, Marrow, you, you two know Marrow much better than I do. So I want to know a little bit what he's like um, in camp because my experiences of him, when uh, we were out for the World Cup in Japan, you get a couple of players every day and it's a little bit of a potluck and sometimes a player comes out and it's like, oh, brilliant, this will be fun. And sometimes a player comes out and you think, this might be a little bit harder. And then Maro always seems to keep a lot back because say he can be very highbrow, can't he? We had a very detailed conversation about the books he was reading, which weren't the same as the books everyone else was reading. And the, the second was one, one was when you were all staying at um, Tokyo Disneyland, and which was a weird place, wasn't it? A very, very weird place. And we happened to mention to Mario that while we were waiting for him to come out, me and, and Steve, the producer, were trying to put together a Disney Rugby 15. Mario massively excited about this filled in most of our disney rugby 15 in seconds couldn't have been happier cool story bro <laughs> <laughs> he went to talk about what he's like then all right sorry uh, <laughs> i could see him uh, i could see him waiting he's like i'm like shall i make the joke i don't want to piss him off but i oh, just oh. i'm so desperate to make this joke oh. and he's just like a little kid he's done it <laughs> <laughs> this beef between you this needs to stop we are a team stop trying to get one up on yeah, sorry, sorry. we are yeah, a united yeah. team okay yeah talk about oh, Maz I'm, and, and I'm, your I'm experiences sorry, yeah. of him please Coley yeah no he's um, off the field he can be quite reserved and keeps himself to himself well, that's my experience of him um, he's obviously a very intelligent guy a lot of interests you know away from rugby and but I say on the field, you know, he becomes a sort of competitive bloke that I say leads teams in regards to just competes for everything, whether it's more, you know, breakdown, everything, all the little bits that, you know, somebody gets the energy to do this for 80 minutes long, you know, he's constantly sort of um, 
whether it's Maul or Breakdown, you know, there's a pile up of bodies and he's there just hitting the pile, hitting the pile, charging things down. So, yeah, no, he's so fantastic player and leads from that just enthusiasm. That's, I think, one of the big strengths that he himself talks about is bringing energy to the team and adding energy. And that's, you know, you can see he does and he does it really well. What's the best conversation you've had with him? Um, I think I did use like to listen to him and Courtney Laws have um, political debates, put it that way, regarding the... Uh, Different perspectives, are they? Uh, we're in America. Yeah, different perspectives, yeah. Different, um, you've probably seen some of Courtney's things on online. I'm sure he's been out there. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's quite interesting to listen to those two go out, especially they were talking about America once and, and Trump and um, the Republican Party, and I just sat there listening. That was very interesting, yeah. <laughs> you didn't engage. You didn't engage in the conversation, but you just sat on the table behind them, just taking it all yeah. in. And making just judgments to yourself. You're like... Mm, Without them knowing, that was just thing in. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. He is... I would describe him as relentless. He... he. In fact, he, he does remind me a lot of Steve Borthwick in that he is a proper student of the game. He will find any small detail that will improve his game and work on it and work on it and work on it and work on it until the cows come home. Um, and I think, I don't mean it disrespectfully, I don't think Marrow's naturally blessed rugby player in terms of skill-wise. Like, very, he's not particularly natural on the ball. Um, he's worked so hard at all the things that people probably don't like doing. The non-flashy stuff, the... The turnovers he gets, the ripping in contact, the the nausing at the breakdowns. That doesn't that do, that's not just because he's naturally good at that. He works so hard at all that stuff, and it is a fucking pain in the ass to put up with in training with him because you're like, fuck it, honestly, Maz, please. I need five fucking minutes of you not counter-rucking me in a fucking training session. I know you can counter-ruck. I know you're the fucking best in the world. But I just need five minutes, please. Five minutes in this session. But he doesn't. And that's the difference between someone who's a a good player, a very good player, and someone who's a world-class player. Because he will put in that extra every single time. And it's, it's showing on the field with the way he does it. I, he he leads by his actions. He's he's a good talker, but it's it's very much his actions. I remember one... <laughs> because this one time in Treviso, pre-World Cup camp, <laughs> we'd been on the... We'd been on the piss the night before and uh we'd let our hair down it had been it had been a tough camp there was a lot of boys struggling with the fitness and the heat and the humidity that were going on do you remember when charlie yule's pretty much like every piece of his body cramped up and he had to get uh taken off the field during that scrum session yeah he got told to stand up straight um, but he was cramping in his calves and Achilles uh, and his hamstring, so he couldn't. So then he tried to stand up straight, literally did the scrub, and then got back to the changing room and cramped for the next three hours. And they had to get four blokes pinning him down to try and straighten. I think he got cramping his hamstring, and they tried to straighten his leg out and like straighten his leg out. But then he got it in his quad, didn't he? And he was trying to then drink salts, and he couldn't 
like his arm was <laughs> yeah, cramping. Before the, before the salts got there, before he got to complete meltdown, he was starting to go during the scrum session and they brought on some water and salts for like, because they could see he was struggling. And uh, I can't remember who it was, one of the physios, but they come over, they brought the water, this like salty electrolyte drink, whatever, to try and get it in him. And George Cruz, who was his lock next to him in the scrum, grabbed it first. He was like, oh, cheers, mate. And then started swigging it because he thought it had been brought up for him. He's like, yeah, I could. He was got this poor Charlie Yules is fucking struggling, cramping every fucking piece of his body. And Cruz has just gone, yeah, I'll have some of that. And they <laughs> pissed themselves at him. The poor fuck. He actually ended up being stuck in the team uh, room after, lying down for like four or five hours on oxygen having to recover and boys were just taking the piss out of the poor fucker going up to it he couldn't move everyone was just going up to him taking photos like selfies <laughs> with him and all this sort of stuff and then we're like oh has anyone seen Charlie it was anyway it was before that um session <laughs> that we the night before we'd been out we'd had a few and we we didn't realize that we got stitched up the next day that we were actually going to do a live training session against uh Italy and mm. We got wind of it the next morning. Most boys are still half cut. And we're like, oh, no, this can't be true. Oh, God, we're really, really struggling here. And we all get in a huddle beforehand. And I've got Ellis Genge next to me in this huddle. And Maz starts talking about, look, boys, we need to apply ourselves um, today. Let's get it done. Let's get the most out of it. Let's not just go through the motions. And... We thought that'd be it, and then he goes, you know, because we're here in this beautiful Italy, and Genji's just squeezed my trap like really hard, and that was the last thing he said. He went, "Yeah, we're here in this beautiful Italy," and he just that was it. It was a break from the thing, all the huddle, and Genji's just fucking lost it. He's turned to me. He's like, "Please tell me you've heard it." I was like, "Of course I fucking heard it." He was the only one speaking in the huddle. You tit. He was like, "Oh my god!" He's just turned around and said, "Because we're here in this beautiful Italy." And I was like, "Oh no, no, just get on with this." <laughs> so that's what I mean by he leads by his actions, not his words. Right, Tom. Seeing as you've had your feet up for far too long, well, some may say well deserved. Others, like myself, say not deserved at all. Um, as a treat, I'm going to let you introduce the ads. So here goes. That is a treat, Joe, and an honour. Thank you very kindly. Uh, these are the adverts. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming. And I have a new podcast called Alan Cummings Shelves. You see, I have quite a few shelves in my house that are sort of a museum of my life. In each episode, I'm going to take an item off my shelves, tell you why it's there in the first place, then start to talk about my memories of it. And then I chat with a friend who's involved in those memories. I've spoken to Ian McKellen about a hemp bracelet that he bought me on a nudist beach we visited together. Cindy Lauper about a pair of white leather gloves I wore on Broadway. And you even get to hear Jerry Halliwell talk about my Spice Girls lunchbox. And that is not a euphemism. I have some really amazing guests coming on to chat, so I just hope you will join me. And all you have to do to do that is to search for Alan Cummings Shelves, wherever you get your podcasts from. See you soon. Joe, this is where we say thank you to our official sponsors on Patreon. Kind, generous people, Joe, like... 
Who fares wins? It's Matthew Fares. The Swindler. Joss Swindles. Half Pint. Julie Lowry. Beatrix Potter's second favourite. It's Peter Bennett. The Notorious. B.E.G. It's Becky Eaton Garrett. The Black Belt. James Blackman. And Harley Steve. To be more like Steve, James, Becky, Peter, Matthew, Julie and Joss, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Those were the ads and I enjoyed saying that, Joe. Thank you once again. Now, Dan and Joe, I would like to talk about the television match official First of all, not necessarily about Marius Jonker's decisions, but whether Warren Gatlin did a massive job on him <laughs> with his comments beforehand. Yes, I think he did. I think it's safe to say, I think it is safe to say he definitely did. You could hear it in his voice when he was talking. <laughs> um, actually, Nick, um, this is that what you want me to... Is that definitely what you want me to check? Okay, I'll check it. <laughs> There's no clear evidence. There is no clear... No, no, no. What, what would, you actually heard him at one point whisper, what would Warren want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's backfired on South Africa, isn't it, really? I mean, I think people always say decisions even themselves out. The offside one, I'm not so sure about. Colby, yeah, it was a knock-on. The other one I was wondering about was the Hamish Watson one. Because when I watched that the first time, I thought, uh-oh. It's a yellow card. Yeah, well, I thought that was a yellow card, yeah. What I loved was that Gats came out after and was like, I thought the referees, I uh, thought the, the team of four did a fantastic job. I thought they were brilliant. Um, and he's now going to sweetening them up as opposed to <laughs> tearing them down. So, I, yeah. Who do we think... Of that, let's talk Lions first of all. Who do we think of that starting 15 is going to start the second test? Because we talked about this a couple of pods ago. This very weird situation where if you come off the bench and you play really well, logically that should mean that you're pushing for a place in the starting 15, but often means that the coach goes, you know what, you did a really good job coming off the bench. Come off the bench again. Yeah, I I think they should make some changes. I know it's hard when they've won for the first time in 32 years, the Lions have won a test match having been down at half time. So that's a big achievement and beating the world championships albeit slightly underprepared and under undercooked in South Africa is massive and you're like, well, it's hard to have those conversations and drop anyone that, that that's in that 23, but I'm putting my Darren Fatland hat back on. And, um, mate, uh, fresh and chips. Just getting the accent right. And uh, I'm going to start Marco at Loosehead. And then I'm going to start Jamie George on the on the hooker. I'm going to put Luke Cowan Dickey on the bench uh, for his impact. And I'm also going to go with uh, starting uh, Toby, Tolupe, Falote, 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 fucking hell, my accent's awful, Tolupe. And the reason I'll make those changes to the pack is uh, I thought Mako did well coming off the bench and I just think the Lions could do with his ball playing a little bit more um, and he proved himself uh, to be strong in the scrum there. And I think Jamie... 
is a good option to start with him and Tig, especially the three of them that started together back in 2017. And I'd start Toby, not because Conan went badly. I thought Conan was solid and caught the balls and went well. But I've read this from the real Warren Gatland, not the fake Darren Fatland. And I'm, I'm suspecting he might make a change to Jack Conan because of this. He's put, Jack Conan did well. He does what he does, and that's the reason he picked him. He didn't make many mistakes. He's incredibly accurate. He takes those kickoffs, shows good footwork, and go forward. He does a lot of the unspectacular stuff that you need in a full pack to get the right balance. Uh, you have guys who can carry more, and we're really pleased with his performance. He's continued to improve and improve in this environment. He's like a sponge and gaining knowledge. He asks really good questions, takes on information well. I think that's a sign of him fluffing him before he drops him. Yeah, it sounds that way, doesn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not even. It, it does. Him. No, it, it does. Like no, I, I. It does, and I think you know what you say there is um, true. As you know, we said earlier I, he didn't play badly. He, he didn't make any errors and was solid. But I th- would probably, I would agree with your changes in the front row. But again, I think they might put Mac on the bench if Win Jones is fit. I think he might start, and because Mac made such a massive impact off the bench, you know you're going to get a solid performance, especially at the end of the game when the game's going to be decided. I think that might stick. Um, Hooker wise, I can see Cannibal Ken starting, and then Dicky being on, or Dicky or Jamie on the bench. I think yeah, I, th- I think Ken when he came on again was solid. You know his lineouts, scrum was improved, like. He's a good bloke to stick out there, I think, for 50 minutes to take the sting, hopefully, out of South Africa. And then you bring on Dickie and, and Jane when it loosens, or Dane when it loosens up. But yeah, I agree with those three changes. They're the probably ones you're looking at in the pack, aren't you? Darren Fatland is starting Owen Farrow at 12 and Robbie Henshaw at 13. And Darren Fatland is also going to bring in Liam Williams or Josh Adams to start ahead of Duan van der Merver. Thing I was going to ask you to actually, to sort of to tie into that and also a point you were making there, Dan. This idea that the Springboks will be that much fitter next week does that is that hold true in reality? So, a if you've got enough time to recover between a big game on one Saturday and for the fitness that you've gained in that game to actually kick in for the following Saturday, or is it more likely that if you're if you've gone hard on that Saturday game because some of them were out on their feet in that last ten minutes? If you've gone really deep on that Saturday, does it mean actually you're going to be in worse shape for the following week? I think you will be... I don't think, like, physically you will change much in that week. I think it's the fact that you've performed in a test match. You now know the standard you have to perform at. You know now know the physical levels. You now know... Look at stuff like, say, the scrum and the mall. You look at, like, the nausea stuff. and You look how high the South Africans were and you kind of go... You look, until you've seen it on video, you kind of go, actually, we need to be lower. We need to be physically better, boom, boom, boom. And that's what you apply that week in training. That's what you apply in the game. So, you know, I don't think after running around for 80 minutes, like you're not going to have all the sort of, oh, more red blood cells in my body and all this kind of stuff. Like you're not going to change that way. It's more <laughs> the fact you're going <laughs> to be, you know, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to be that much fitter. It's going to be a psychological effect of this is what we have to perform at. This is what we have to do. We're fatigued here, but we've got to keep pressing through, keep pressing through, keep pressing through. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what I think. I think you know, Springboks have to make some changes. I think you know, I 
you don't want to say they were arrogant. Arrogant's the wrong word, but I just think watching the Lions, they were probably ignorant in regards to like the Lions have mauled really well. I think South Africa sort of went, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll stop it with our, you know, we're big and strong, Mate, we'll stop I it. I could and not understand the why they were allowing the Lions to take front ball without even competing or even not competing. They they just weren't stood in front of them to defend it. They thought, we'll, we'll smash it on yeah. the angle and the thing. But it was too late. The Lions already formed it at the front of the line out and got it going forward early doors and then they couldn't stop it. It was fucking ludicrous. I thought that was really, really naive. That's what I mean. That's what I say. It's probably naivety rather than saying. I don't think it's arrogant. I think it's just. It's a bit like we spoke about Marrow earlier. Like you know, he's going to destroy your, your mall. You know, he's going to get stuck into your mall. If I'm South Africa or you're playing against Marrow, you kind of go like, we have to make sure that if we, if the line out, if he's competing against us, we can't have him land in our line. Someone has to just grab hold of him, keep hold of him, or do you know, well, take him to ground, or just do something so he can't disrupt our mall. What do they do? They just let him. You know, I'm not saying they let him, he's a very talented player, but South Africa didn't seem to have any thoughts that you know normally in a week you identify who's going to what's the strength of them all or mall d mall attack where are they strong who's going to come for us you definitely look at it going marrow's a big threat a massive threat to all if you're Safka, he's going to try and attack our mall so let's either throw away from him or make sure that we don't let him disrupt and you know they didn't and it was just kind of like and it's similar with lions mall you like they've mauled really well on tour they're probably going to try maulers we'll give them the front but normally if you give a team the front you've got big bodies there to smoke it when it lands no no we'll let it land we'll try and spin it oh no they're already past us and that's a penalty and you just kind of like it was just yeah naive and underprepared but you'd think if you're South Africa you've you've had that experience now and you're going right yes we've been had our pants pulled down in some regards and then this week we're not gonna let that happen we're gonna stop the lines at mall we're gonna stop them here and I say all this it's one thing saying it, it's another thing actually doing it. And that's the, um, that'll be the challenge this week is going, <laughs> well, it, you know, it is because it's like, you know, oh, we'll stop them at the mall. Actually, the Lions will develop their mall to go. The great thing about rugby is there's always a counter to what you can do. So, you know, the Lions will go, well, they're going to smoke us. So we'll just either play off the top or we'll just play a quick ball at the back or we'll get Curry running at, you know, we'll set up a fake mall and Curry can run at them and blah, 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 blah. There's so many different options you can do. Fucking hell, Dan. We need to change this. We should. This should be the Dan Cole Lions special show. <laughs> Tom, I don't know about you, but this... I've always known that your rugby intelligence is in the upper echelons of uh, players that I've played with. But the way you talk, Dan, you have not surprised me, but you're fucking a lot better than I actually thought you were with your knowledge. Thanks. Yeah, as I said, it's one thing <laughs> talking about, it's that thing doing it, like... Can't do it on the field, but I've had I've had some really good coaches in my life, Joe, and I've paid attention, tried to pay attention. But, oh um, God, here we go! Yeah. Now, you you couldn't you know. help yourself but change it to a patronising put down. Thank you, motherfucker. Joe, two other standout moments for many people from that match that people watching on Sky Sports may have enjoyed. Um, the first of which was Will Greenwood's startling new haircut. The second was Ronan O'Gara's wall planner. Which did you enjoy the most? <laughs> Um, Will Greenwood's haircut um, it was a full on mohawk wasn't it yeah pretty much it wasn't very Will Greenwood was it and that can be a good thing I have got a bit of time for that I've got a bit of time for that Um, Coley hasn't I know full well Coley's thoughts (laughs) I've got the uh... inverted mohawk Um, is it (laughs) (laughs) I loved Ronan not only did I enjoy his wall planner 
which means he's clearly working his fucking tits off for La Rochelle and getting everything prepped and how professional it was to set up. But genuinely, his input and contribution to the punditry is brilliant. I love him. I love the way he talks and how intelligent he sounds and how simple he kind of makes it it sound as well. A little bit like what you just did there, Dan, um, except it's one thing saying it and it's another thing actually doing it. Um, we're very forward dominant on this podcast, mainly because I don't really talk to many backs. In fact, me and Dan didn't talk to any backs during our careers, but hopefully we'll we'll be able to get some on before these lines special stop. Maybe we should go for Ronan. Shall we? Shall we? Not Keating. <gasps> Although we've probably got more chance of getting Ronan Keating on than <laughs> not after, oh, not after the way you treated him. Hey, what happened? Um. So <laughs> we're playing. This is New Zealand. We've just played a game in. It was Christ. Was it Christ? It was Christchurch. And his son and yeah, it was um. It was his son's 18th birthday, something like that. And Ronan Keaton had come back to our hotel and he was having a few drinks and stuff. And I think his son had annoyed Joe because he'd been earlier. He's like, we're like, oh, where have you been? And he's like, oh, I've just been at Bo's house. We're like, who? He's like, you know, Bo. And we're like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, Bowden Barrett. We're like, all right, mate, okay. Um, so this put the... This put the- <laughs> he, also came in, he also came into the team room in a Wellington Hurricanes rugby shirt. And I was like... This isn't a good start. Ronan Keaton's obviously everyone's like, right, sing us a song, sing a song, sing, sing us a song. Well, say everybody. Two of us weren't, but everyone else was going, sing us a song, sing us a song. <laughs> um, he's like, no, I haven't got a guitar, I haven't got a guitar, I haven't got a guitar. Someone ran off to their room, got a guitar, said, oh, play it. He's like, no, I can't, I can't. Oh, go on then. Um, so he starts singing these songs, but it's like, everyone's like, give us one, life's right. give us one we know, give us one we know. And he's like, he started going to this deep, um, like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know where it was from. But he's getting really passionate. It was a exactly. newbie. It was it, it was, was a newbie, newbie that he oh, done he did stuff really, off the new album. He'd oh, done a newbie. Like, oh. Yeah, but he's really getting into it. He's like, you can leave if you want. Leave, go on and leave. And then Joe <laughs> gets up and just leaves, and I'm <laughs> literally crying. Well, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's looking at Joe, and everyone looks at me next to him. I'm literally just crying with laughter because in the middle of this... Also, you burped in one of his songs, didn't you, and got told off. You burped in the middle of one of his songs earlier on, <laughs> really loudly. Right, and he told you off. He no, stopped singing well, to tell you the, off. The staff came across. A couple of lines, like, coach, like, Joe, just... It's disrespectful, Joe. It's just disrespectful. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. So, no, but I you, couldn't you hold a... in a cider burp, could I? <laughs> right, Joe, let's try, and, let's try and recreate that moment. Okay, ready? No matter what they say, no matter what they uh, say. Oh, God, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm again crying with laughter. And it's on video. So, it, was, um, it was a mar- It was being videoed, and we've got the video, and... Um, it was me, you, Peter Marnie and Alan Wynn that was sat on that table. Remember at the back of behind him? And he's singing one of the lyrics is leave, leave, but he's probably getting into it. And I'm like, fucking hell. And I don't leave, Dan. It looks like I leave, but I get up to go and get you and Amani a beer. <laughs> and as I do that, your 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 shoulders are going like that. Amani <laughs> is like oh my God, what the fuck? And you're just like kids at an assembly where someone's farted and they're just like, oh my God, I can't hold it in anymore. And I come back and, and give the beers. I didn't, yeah, safe to say, I haven't had um, any sort of friend requests from Ronan Keaton since, um, which is a shame. But 
So if we are going to get a Ronan on the pod, it's more likely to be Ronan O'Gara rather than Ronan Keating? Yeah, probably fair. So Have you got numbers, either of you, for, for O'Gara? What do they say? Shoot for the moon and you'll fall among the stars. So let's shoot for O'Gara and we'll probably get Ben Youngs. Alternatively, <laughs> what we could do is, what happened uh, before we start recording, is we could get, Joe, you get your wife to sort out a looky-likey of a Ronan and we'll get him on the podcast. <laughs> I don't think she's going to be over the moon about you bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just come explain, to- Joe, what the what happened there? Just explain she's, to people who she's come to me. We're just getting on. I hear a knock on the door. She goes, "Have you started recording yet?" I was like, "No, no, not yet. I'm just catching up with the boys before we start." She's like, "Cool, cool." She gets her phone. She goes, "You need to get this guy on the podcast." And I was like, "What? Who is it?" She was like, "It's an Ed Sheeran lookalike." I was like. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean I need to get edge? She's like, think about all the wonderful experiences he's done. I was like, I'll let the lads know. So it turns out he's not he's not an official Ed Sheeran lookalikey. He's just he's just a man who days things <laughs> looks like Ed Sheeran. I'm not sure. I think she sh- it's like a it's like a, a a sweet Instagram account that we buy vegan all sorts sweets off of. And it's that account with this bloke who looks like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> and I'm like, if you just looked at the sweet account, it is just a guy with red hair. <laughs> She's like, no, it's an Ed Sheeran lookalike. Get him on the show. Okay. Okay, fine. so we're aiming for Ronan O'Gara. It may well end up being Ben Youngs, or it could be a man who may not even realise that he is an Ed Sheeran lookalike. Right, I was hoping this would actually improve having the professional back. It seems to have actually gotten worse. Sorry. Um, Sorry. But you know what else I'd like to see next week in the build-up? I want to see more Razzie Erasmus tweets. What did you think of his water carrying? I was always of the opinion. Yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? Like, he looks so, I don't want to say shifty, but do you know what I mean? Why is he even bothering taking on water? Just go on and be a coach. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one's fooled by the water. Also, it's the fine line as well. It's like, we've all been there, like, you're blowing after sort of 50, 60 minutes. You're desperate for a drink and the water carrier is a bit slow on. So you give him an earful or he goes to like the backs and you're like, mate, fucking hell. Like someone's actually doing something. Here. <laughs> Come over here, stick it in the like, well, you know, they, like Pandora, like stick it in the middle. Just stick the water in the middle of the huddle. And let's have a drink. Like you get really, you feel bad because you get really arsy with these blokes. <laughs> like, they just run out of water and you're abusing them. Like put the fucking water I down. Could, I could hear I could hear the anger starting to come out again from you, Coley, because the amount of times I've been in a, I've been in a circle and Coley is losing his shit and focusing more on the speed at which the water is being brought on yeah. or where the doctor is. Who was it who cut their leg? Me. Were it launchers? No, it was oh, me. I sliced my leg open, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it was a all right, long cut, like, yeah, I, down I cut to it the down bone. to the muscle. Yeah, and then basically I was I had to play on. I had to run around for the next thing. I remember we were playing Australia and I remember I did it and Michael Hooper's like, mate, you want to get that looked at? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking trying. Anyway, we carried on. Thankfully, Marla <laughs> shot out the line. You shot out the line, let Kepu score from 50. And anyway, I'm like, right, they've scored. I'm not walking back. The doc's under the sticks. And I'm like, doc, doc. And I was like, my leg is hanging open. I'm like, doc, 
Doc! And everybody, literally the entire team, apart from the doctor, turned around and looked at me. Pretty sure most of the stadium turned around. And I was like, and it's, I think it's Miles like, uh, Colin needs you. And then next thing, I've, I've played on for like a good 30 seconds. Next thing, Doc's like, what, what, what? I'm like, my leg, look at my leg. And it's like this gash, it's down to the, um, I say, down to the muscle. And he's like, oh, oh, um, and yeah, I'm going to have to go off. And he's got under my arm, started like trying to carry me off. I'm like, I've just played on for 30 seconds. Like, I've just ran back here. I'm all right. I can walk off the field. I don't need you. Like, no, 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 no. You might have done some damage. I'm like, yeah, I've done some damage. Such a warrior. But I can walk, can't I? I can walk. So, yeah, that was... Such a warrior. Yeah. Oh. I think that was the Doc's last campaign, actually. I don't think he was... He was uh... It wasn't the same... We won't name in names, but I think it was the same Doctor that I had a dislocated finger and... I had it put back in during the week and then I had to get it numbed for the game. So I went in, went up to him uh, pre-warm-up on the bed. He said, put your hand down there. I said, sweet, yeah. And he went to inject it near the ring, <laughs> near the ring block area. So it numbs the whole thing. And I was like, oh, I don't really like needles. So I looked away and it was, this one was sore than usual. I was like, oh my God, that's agony. Why is the, oh God, it's meant to go numb. Like the needle's going in. I was like, oh God. And he went, right, you're done. Off you go. And I was like, look down at it. And then I turned it over and it was blood pissing out the other end. And I was like, mate, <laughs> why is there, why is there blood coming out? That's the rock that he's got over there. And then I've looked down at the bed and the bed's got all this like fluid on it. And then I've realised the fucker's gone through the whole finger and injected the bed with the number with the anaesthetic. And I'm like, are you taking the piss? I can still feel my finger, but the bed looks pretty fucking numb. <laughs> the same one, the same day, no names mentioned, the same day as a hooker needed a rib. Uh, injected as well because it was uh, dislocated and or what it just needed numbed. Um, Pop his cartilage, isn't he? Yeah, and he's numbed it for him and then turned away and gone. There you go, mate. You're all done. And like, this hooker had, uh, had his eyes closed for it and then he's like gone to get off the bed and as he's gone to get up. He's like, ah, that hurts. And he's looked down and the needle's been left in, <laughs> still dangling there in it. It's just hanging there. It's like. <laughs> So I, I don't think this is meant to be in here still. <laughs> yeah, safe to say. I think starting from Coley's uh, thing, <laughs> it, it might have been the Doctor's last campaign for that one. Uh, right, let's wrap it up. What are we saying? Are Lions winning again and sealing the series next week? Or are the Springboks bouncing back with a backlash? I think the Lions will win. I think it'll be 2-0. <sighs> I think the Lions will win uh, by four four points oh, okay right so you, you're both going for a Lions win I'm going for a Springbok win um, either way we'll chat more shit about it next week cheers Dan thanks for coming back I enjoy it so thank you for having me oh oh that's sweet Crowd Network a place where you belong Podcast Network.